0: Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Vacation Rental Success, and this is your host Heather Bayer recording once again from the uh, the inside of my RV on a wonderful RV park in a place called Grapevine in Dallas, Texas, and it's uh, I'm doing the recording of this just before I take off for Phoenix tomorrow for the uh, VRMA annual conference, and in fact, when this recording is published. Uh, I will. the The VRMA conference will be over. I'll be back here in Dallas and getting ready to move south for the last ten days to two weeks of our wonderful, wonderful vacation. It's been a great opportunity, in fact, to have some time away from the office and the business, just to do some reflecting on on a summer of rentals, a long, long summer of rentals. I say long, long summer because actually the the weather this year in Ontario has been so amazing. It seems to have given us such a an extended period. Uh, people started booking way, way back for May and June. And then we had the busiest September on record. And And even now into October, the weather's still fantastic and people are still booking, which is amazing, and of course. And, and at this time, they're now into the booking season for 2017. So all is still busy going on back at the office while I'm out here with my feet up in the sunshine. And it looks like 2017 is going to be another amazing year. What I wanted to discuss today was uh, something that's, you know, it's on the minds of myself and my business partner and our staff at the end of, of every busy year and we look back and do some reflecting over what worked what didn't work what we could do better next year not just not just in marketing and obviously we do that and um, we have days, in fact, weeks where we, we put together our marketing plan for the next year. But at the moment, we're really reflecting back on the operations side of the business. How did it work? How did all our systems, how did our procedures work? What can we do better next time? And one of the things that we do spend a lot of time on is looking back over the issues that happened. Uh, it could be damage reports from owners and uh reports from guests about uh, things that they encountered in the properties they stayed in that perhaps they didn't they didn't like or they didn't uh find it as expected so clearly we have to go through every single one of those and and work out what actually happened and what we could make a difference for next year, because we, each year it's, it's a goal to reduce the amount of issues that arise and to uh, create a much more streamlined approach for the new season. So I really don't want to get on my, um, my bandwagon here, my soapbox. But of course, the damage deposit debate is one that impacts absolutely everybody in this business and it's been going on for years ever since ever since I first came across a forum maybe 15 16 years ago and 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 started contributing to it and then I you know, I'm buying my first properties the issue of what happens if somebody does damage and whether we collect a damage deposit whether we don't has been such a hot potato and and it remains so to this day and I I still see these the arguments for and against cropping up over and over again and it really is old old stuff the same arguments come out time after time but they are worth addressing and they're worth addressing with the notion in mind that this vacation rental industry is changing we know it changes day in day out month in month out every year there's something new and the collection of damage deposits, I think, is something that's going to change dramatically over the next few years as more people come into the industry, these travellers, who object to having to pay up $500 or $1,000 in some place up front just in case they do some damage. And I want to bring up a quote that I love. It's from John DeJulius. Uh, John DeJulius is a customer service guru. He's been on the podcast. He was a keynote speaker at uh, the VRMA conference a couple of years ago. And he said something that I wrote down and I've used over and over again. And this quote is, why do we insist on punishing 98% of our guests for what we anticipate the 2% might do? That's a little bit of a, it's not quite the actual quote but it's my take on it because I wanted to apply it to our business and that's what we are doing every time we take a damage deposit and when I say punishing we're taking money out of people's bank accounts and it's not an insubstantial amount and we're often taking it quite early on sometimes at the time of booking and we're not giving it back until after the vacation has finished and in some instances, it's not been given back for weeks and weeks after the vacation's over. This is why I use that word punishing. We are punishing 98% of our guests for what we anticipate the 2% might do. And that really is the theme for this episode. And as I say, I find it very difficult not to get on my soapbox over this because in the 20 years I've been renting out my properties, and I've had six of them personally over that time, never ever taken a damage deposit. And in all that time, I've had one uh, episode of damage where I did ask the guests to pay for it, and they did. That is one episode of damage over 15, 16 years of renting out a lot of properties. And of course, there's been there's been damage, and and I'm going to go on and talk about that in a second. Let me just cover off what we've dealt with in our property management company over a summer. This this summer, we've had around 1500 rentals. We've had broken beds. We've had there was damage to a paddle board, a seat on a kayak or a canoe was broken. We've had torn leather on older couches, heat stains on wooden tables, Crayola marks on walls, stained linens and mattresses. That's that's quite a common one. Cracked toilet seats. And, and one that is of, of particular issue to many of our owners is septic backups due to the flushing of material that's not designed to go through macerating pumps. And I don't want to go into detail here, but I'm sure you can get the picture on that one. So what happens when we get a claim from an owner uh, for damage? We really investigate thoroughly. As a property management company, this is not me personally, we don't actually take any money from guests prior to their stay. Uh, we, we tell them that if there is damage, that we will charge the credit card we have on file. Or they can send us, they can send us a check uh, prior to the vacation. And in the case of damage, we will cash that check. But we don't ever, and we never have in 15 years of business, we have never Taken the damage deposit prior to a vacation taking place, because personally I don't think that's uh, that's fair. So what we do in the event of a report of damage from an owner, it triggers a, a really robust investigation that. Involves examining photographic and video evidence from the owner, and then mediating between the two parties. Because in general, we'll find an owner has one story, a guest has another story, and those two stories tend to be very different. And I'm going to come back to to some of the reasons for that um, in a moment. But what is actually what what actually happens is that because it's such a lengthy process, it's you know one we'd rather avoid as As a property management company, we often simply pay the owner the amount of damage claimed and save ourselves a considerable cost in time and stress involved in pursuing it unless it is really clear cut and the guest fesses up and says, "Yes, I did that and i'm you know here here 's my money, charge my credit card, cash my check i 'm owning up to it otherwise. We just front up out of our own funds, and and if if owners do this too many times and there are too many issues with differing stories, that's when we might have the discussion with our owners about, you know what's going on. many Many think that that um, as property managers, we hold an unlimited fund that we hold damaged deposits and it's like a pot that they can dip in when something breaks or or gets damaged. And it's, you know, it's a conversation we have to have. So so that gives you a little bit of background on one what happens in our property management company. In this episode, what I want to talk about are the pros and cons for collecting damaged deposits and whether having skin in the game makes a guest more careful or not, because that's often an argument that comes up. I'm going to talk about damage versus wear and tear and how to combat being offended by the actions of guests because that's often why claims are made because the owner or the caretaker has become offended and we're going to look at cost benefits of self-insuring and other insurance options um, and then finish up with five tips for reducing the risk of damage to your home in the first place okay still with me if you're listening to this on um the date of publication, there's another debate going on tonight. I think that one's going to be a lot more controversial. However, this, as I said right at the very beginning, this does raise emotions this this whole thing raises emotions, and I know there's people listening who are who are perhaps have already switched me off because they simply do not uh agree. I think that triggering this argument is a good thing. You know, it is a discussion that's populated forums across the VR world since the business really began. But as we move into the mainstream of tourism accommodation, we just might need to revisit our practices. So let's just have a look at the pros and cons of collecting a damage deposit. What are the pros? Well, of course, it means that if damage occurs, there are funds to take care of it. You don't have to go into issue of contacting a a guest and getting into an argument about it. Well, actually, you do, because if you're going to charge their damage deposit that you've already got, and you're not going to give them back their money, they are not going to be happy if they don't agree with it. So, in fact, even having the funds doesn't lessen the stress there is. Uh, You know, you can be hard-nosed, and if you think that your guest has done something that, uh, that, that requires you taking money from them, additional money from them, then you're going to do it. And you're going to accept the, um, the, the, the consequences and the stress that comes along with it. And maybe you just you know, are not bothered about that. But just, I just wanted to put that point across that having the money already there doesn't lessen the fact that you may well get pretty heavy argument from, from a guest, uh i'm not going to go into the topic of reviews here but that is always on the back burner isn't it that there's the, a the, the thought if you charge their damage deposit they're going to leave you a rotten review well actually you know that that could that could happen anyway yeah let, let let's we're not going to go into the subject of reviews at the moment that that really is another um issue altogether um there there is the argument that having a damage deposit it, makes guests feel that they have some skin in the game, that they've, they've got uh, a stake. You've got their money, therefore they're going to be more careful. Well, in fact, most damage is caused purely accidentally. Having given you $500 or whatever it is, is not going to stop them stripping and, and dropping a plateful of spaghetti bolognese on a carpet, it's not going to stop a, uh, a child wetting a bed. It's not going to stop somebody sitting on a bed and the bed collapsing. Um, I, I really don't see the, uh, see the skin in the game argument. Nobody comes on vacation with the express idea that they're going to do some damage. So this, the skin in the game argument just, just doesn't cut it for me. So another pro is of course that if you've if if there is major damage, if there is something big, then the damage deposit will cover a deductible. If you're actually having to go to your insurance company and um uh, and, and make a larger claim. Let's say somebody puts a hot pan down on a down on a um a countertop and it burns a hole and the whole countertop's going to have to be replaced, then maybe that Uh, damage deposit is going to cover the deductible. I've seen on traveller forums in in this discussion where where travellers are actually talking about having to pay this fee and, and how they feel about it. Now, a number of them say they feel they're not being trusted. They're not being trusted to fess up to Admit that they that they they've done damage, um, and most have said yes. If I if I break something, then of course I'm going to pay for it. Although there is an acceptance that damage deposits are expected within the industry, there is an argument that, it, that their time is is up. And perhaps we should be changing practices and coming more into line with hotels and resorts where, of course, you know, you would never never dream of paying a, a security de- deposit or a damage deposit for a resort or a hotel room. Now, before you jump, up at, uh, jump out at me at that one, I know there is huge difference because you have skin in the game. It's your property. It's your pride and joy. And that's what you're uh, protecting, but we are looking at a new breed of traveler that is is not seeing is not actually seeing this this difference that they are respecting property regardless of whether it's a hotel room or a resort space or whether it's a a privately owned uh, vacation rental property. So it could be that over the course of time. Properties that do charge damage deposits are going to get less activity than those that don't. I, you know, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not looking at any statistics here. Um, it's that that is just a personal uh, observation. Another con of uh, damage deposits, of course, is the administration involved. It's the administration involved in collecting the fee, in holding it, and then sending it back at the end of of um, of the guest stay. If you add up the time that's involved in that, and it may seem it's you know, really minimal, but if you add that up over time, you could find that, you know, that the cost in terms of, of your time is quite large in, in relation to how many times you actually make a claim on that damage deposit. And that, that really is worth thinking about. You know, you collect the you collect the fee. You put it in the bank. You have to go back to the guests to tell them the, the, to to confirm that you've got it after the stay. You have to go back to them and let them know that you know you're you're paying it back into their account. There, there's there may be monetary cost. I don't know. I don't do it. Um, but there may the, the, the definitely is cost in terms of, of time. So there are arguments on either side, and I'm I'm not saying w- which ones are weaker and which ones are stronger, and and I know that there are owners who are not going to change their practices at all, ever, not a chance. And I'm not asking that you do that. It's just uh, you know that th- this 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 whole argument is about looking at both sides. It's about looking at the way the industry is changing and if this is something that maybe in the future you decide that, no, you're not going to collect this again anymore and you are going to do, uh, have a different procedure. So it's just worthwhile looking at, at the alternatives. So the second thing I want to look at is, is what, what damage uh, are people claiming for anyway? And, and I can't imagine that there is much more that happens out there than we see in our own property management company. And I know one of the issues is excessive cleaning, And for for the majority of properties that include cleaning, when their cleaner gets there and they're faced with a a huge mess, then and and they're not able to do it within the allotted time using the resources that they have available and have to call in other resources, which then costs money, that is perhaps a legitimate claim once again from my perspective we have this occasionally i have this in my own property the 2% who leave it in a mess really do the business they they really do leave a mess and and these aren't these aren't people who are deliberately creating Uh, It's not that it's not the trashing of the place that you sometimes hear people talk about um, in the media. It's simply because people live differently. They have different standards than we do. They have less respect and and they might just walk away from a place and and leave it in a in a complete nutter tip. You know, from my perspective, it happens so rarely. I'm not going to enter into that discussion with those people. I simply will never rent to them again. I chalk it up to experience, pay my caretaker or cleaner the extra and save myself a huge amount of, of stress in going back to these guests and telling them I'm charging anything for it. And I know it's difficult because you feel like you're letting people get away with stuff. And in fact, there's no harm in going back to somebody and say, you really left my property in a... In a poor condition, uh, we had to pay our cleaner significantly more than usual to clean up after you. Um, we won 't be having you back again or, or something along those lines. Yes, in effect, they 've got away with it because they haven't been a, they, they haven 't been charged, but you have saved yourself a, a, you know, a fair amount of, of stress that would be involved in the back toing and froing f- with with the types of people that do this. Another issue that we had you know, a fair amount of this summer were, was was breakages. And it was breakages of, of larger things like beds, uh, couches, chairs, furniture in general. Uh, I've mentioned this before, that unless you reinforce your beds, you, reinf- you, you buy really good quality uh, um, furniture, this is going to happen. Because in general, the weight of the average person is increasing and furniture and beds are not being made to uh, to to cope with that increase in often combined weight so this is it's going to happen and i've um, we've had uh, issues of broken beds broken furniture cracked toilet seats is another one the thing is and the thing that you really have to bear in mind is that it's often not the person that actually is involved in the breakage itself that has been the major contributor to to the breakdown. I want to mention this because I remember going to to look at one of my properties when we had a bro, um, when we had an issue with uh, somebody said the bed was it, it it didn't feel stable, and it was a pine bed. It was pretty solid pine bed, but when we took it apart and took the mattress off and looked at the um, the, the pine struts around where there were screws and, and nails and joints, it was beginning to crack and, and that was causing some sagging in the frame. Now, the bed hadn't collapsed, but it was getting to the point when it was going to happen. And And the thing is, is that that person who would be the one to get in the bed and have it collapse under them is not necessarily the person who who broke the bed in the first place it was it's an it's a cumulative thing it happens over time and what happens in these situations is that we often blame the one who was in the property at the time of the breakage when they haven't really been the one to make the major contribution to it because the the breakdown has been going on over time exact then this is exactly the same with um, with uh, sofa bed frames with couches with ch- and with chairs the other thing that's that's uh, that came up a couple of times this summer was uh, leather furniture and you know what happens with leather, leather furniture over time it uh, it begins to crack and then finally it splits and tears and and we had a couple of claims from owners who had chair, leather chairs they'd had for eight or nine years. And along the arms, the, the leather had, it hadn't been conditioned. You know, that this, this was a tear waiting to happen. So the person who was actually at the property at the time the leather finally gave out, was the person who got blamed for it. And the owner wanted the compensation from that person. As a company, we we could not do that. um, Because the the, the owner wanted to replace that chair with a new one. Obviously, but you know, that chair needed replacing anyway. And blaming the last person to sit in it was just it was just not fair. So this is what I'd like you to think about when you're considering damage claims. Is it cumulative? Is something breaking because of wear and tear over time? And is it fair to blame the the poor soul who actually happened to be there when the final breakdown happened? This happens to toilet seats as well. Um, We actually keep a supply of spare toilet seats because of the amount of times that they do crack. Um, you know, I don't know whether there is a, a cumulative effect on a toilet seat. Once again, I really don't want to go much into that one. But we did have a claim from an owner, and we, we have had a couple of these over the last few years, where an owner has claimed that, you know, the, the guest sat in the toilet seat and it cracked. And therefore, I want to claim the 40 or $50 for a new toilet seat. And we've just not done that. You know it these things happen, it's the cost of doing business. Taking out those, you know, those cumulative effects on furniture, furnishings and beds, and things like an and outdoor furniture and toilet seats, these things happen, it is the cost of doing business. Then perhaps we get on to to things like stained, uh, stained sheets, towels, mattresses, and we've had a number of those this year as well. Um we've had um owners telling us that a sheet has got torn and they want that replaced, or somebody has well, in the heat of the summer, sweat stains are have been the the, the huge thing this year. And and owners complaining that um that they've had to replace mattress covers because they are um sweat stained. We can't go back to a guest and and tell them that um, because they were hot in the night, um, we're going to be charging their damage deposit. It is the cost of doing business. Yeah, I'm not really sure what else to, to say about that. Uh, over the course of, of, of my 15 years of managing my properties, we've had plenty of replacement sheets and towels and mattress covers. But it's, it's, it's just what, it's just what you do. You cannot have people going in and out and in and out of a property without some wear and tear. And there comes a time when these things have to be replaced. And I'll go back to the same thing. You cannot blame the last person there for for the cumulative effects of large numbers of people going in and out of the property. Did I say I wasn't going to get on my soapbox? I think where I'm coming from here is that I have heard from a number of owners this summer where they've they've made claims and I've just shaked, shaken my head and thought, you know, you've got to sometimes suck this stuff up. It's going to happen. And if you can't take it, if you can't, you know, if you can't face the heat, get out of the kitchen. And I know I'm going to get some. I know I'm going to get some blowback over this episode, and and I think I'm going to have to put my thick skin on because I'm. I'm it, it's it's going to come. But I, I just wanted. I just wanted to get my my own personal viewpoint uh, out there. Okay, so let's talk about the alternatives because I know for many people, the idea of giving up on a damage deposit is just it's just too much they're just not going to they're just not going to do it but there are alternatives there is insurance you can self insure or you can guide your guests to buying damage insurance themselves and even making it compulsory that uh, that they buy uh, damage insurance so so what you have there is a protection for you. The guests know that they are protected uh, usually up to quite a quite a large figure you know it 's not your five hundred dollars usually with a with a um, a damage protection policy they 're covered anything from two and a half thousand to to five thousand with um, with some policies. When I talk about self insurance it 's better to use the word um, protection in our property management company, we have an accidental damage protection plan. That's that's the way we term it. And we ask uh, guests or we, we offer them the option to pay us a $45 fee. And for that, they're covered up to $2,500 of accidental damage. Now, over the course of a summer, you know, we, we collect a lot of these $45, and it does create a, a hefty fund that we can use in a variety of ways. We can use to, um, uh, to, to pay out for any large claims, and in fact, we very, very rarely get a large claim, but it does make it easier to do so if, if there are those claims made. But, for an individual owner, you might think okay um let let's say i only let's say i'm i'm charging because my math is is rubbish so i 'm going to say let's say i 'm charging fifty dollars for my accidental damage protection plan, and I do um thirty rentals over the course of the year on average that's going to yield me um, fifteen hundred dollars so that becomes your damage pot, if you like, so that if something does occur when a guest is there, you can draw from that pot to pay for the damage. Now, think back over any claims that uh, that you actually have made against your guests over the last couple of years. If you, if you add up the claims that you've made, do they come to anywhere near the amount that you could have collected over the course of of a, of a year using an accidental damage protection plan. If not, then this is probably the way to go. It uh, It's a bit scary at first. If, you know, you're just starting out and you've just got your first $50 and then there is a, a sort of a $500 piece of damage, then you're going to be out. But over the course of time, you're going to make that up. So, so self-insuring is definitely one option for you. The other option is to use uh, one of the companies that is out there that offers a damage plan for, for your guests. Um, and I'm putting some a couple of those companies in the show notes. Go along, have a look at those, um, call them up, talk to them, ask them about um, these plans. Ask them all your questions about, you know, what happens if you make a claim. What, um, what do they want from you um, in order to pay out? Uh, find out from others if they use them and and what issues, if any, that they've had if they've if they've made claims. Well, you know, HomeAway does this. HomeAway offers um, a damage protection plan, um, so you with with them, you might want to use that. Just explore the other options that are out there. I just wanted to mention briefly something that uh, that happened to me when I, I I used to be doing the changeovers overs on my own properties. I got offended very easily. Um, I like like all of us. I offer a pristinely presented property it's to me it was absolutely perfect and to actually go into my place after a group of guests had been there and if they hadn't been you know really respectful of it and to see a mess it used to offend me and you know they hadn't done this and they hadn't done that and how dare they do this and i would want to charge them charge them something charge them for me being offended and in fact, I also had this from my cleaner, who I had trained so well in the philosophy of hospitality. Um, she, you know, I'm, I, she became a clone of me in terms of how she represented my property. And she used, I mean, she still does. She walks out of each property going backwards um, so that she can see what my guests are going to uh, see and feel when they walk in the door. So I found that once I employed a cleaner that she was also getting offended and she would call me and, and tell me how, you know, the guests had just left and they'd left such a mess and how could they treat it like that? And I had to, I had to train her not to do this and basically say look these people have come on vacation when they leave on their last day of vacation I don't want them to have to spend hours worrying about how the place looks that's that's not their job their job is to get all their stuff be out by the appointed checkout time and go away with amazing memories of their vacation it's not to go away thinking about or stressing about how the place has been left and, and if they're going to be charged on a damaged deposit. So I just tell Carol to let me know if she's not able to turn over the place in the allotted five hours between guests, because that's an issue. I mean, that's, you know, it's a time. She would normally take three and a half hours to do the house, but she has five hours there. So usually in the in the last hour and a half, I ask her to do something a little bit extra. You know, clean a couple of windows, uh, clean out a cupboard or two. That way, the property stays pristine right right the way throughout the season. But uh, so 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 that's the reason I let her. You know, ask her to let me know if she can't do everything in the five hours. It's never happened. It it really has never happened. She might let him let go in passing that. She spent her full five hours cleaning rather than having to do it, rather than doing any of the extra stuff. But apart from that, she's, she's great. She doesn't let me know. Of course, I want to know if she thinks that we should not invite these, you know, not allow these guests to come back. Um, of course, I, I do want to know that. But in fact, we haven't had an incident of, you know, not wanting a guest back for the last couple of years. So now no one gets offended. I want to wrap this up with five tips for reducing the risk of anybody damaging your home, and and they're relatively simple. I mean, number one is tell your guests what you expect. Always leave them a checkout list, so with, with boxes to tick that just make and a, and a pen, you know, maybe on a on a little clipboard. I don't know, just. And those things are not, it's not arduous. You're not asking them to do any vacuuming or cleaning or dusting or wiping down surfaces. I simply ask them to uh, leave the kitchen uh, counters clear, clear all their food out of the fridge, return the furniture to its original locations and tell them where to put the keys. And in winter, of course, I want door uh, windows windows closed and I do ask them to turn air conditioning down um and um and heat you know just to to leave the air conditioning the heating and the hot tub at a required temperature they don't always do that but it's you know I ask them that's all but they know what to expect they know what we are asking from them secondly Scotch Guard, all your fabrics and any carpets you have it's um that that's a bit of a no-brainer because it means that any, any, any spills are going to be easily lifted and of course leave some spot cleaner so that they can clean anything that, um, you know, clean any spills that occur. The other thing I tell them in my welcome guide is if you do spill something, please let me know, you know, spot clean it. Um, if you can't get it out, let me know, because we can get somebody down there almost immediately just to get that um, stain out. And it really, I don't care if you've done it, just let me know that you have. Leave sufficient cleaning materials and a good vacuum cleaner. People like to clean. They like to clean during their time. While I'm sitting in my RV, I'm looking around and thinking, wow, it needs, you know, I'm on vacation, but I still want to, to do some dusting and vacuum some dog hair up and, and make the place tidy. If you don't leave them cleaning equipment, then it's, you're not giving them the opportunity to keep the place nice and tidy as they go along. Always keep a digital camera at the property. And have a procedure to record damage. I mean, you could have just your cleaner take an iPhone or, or, or a, um, a phone with a uh, a, a, di- a digital camera so that they can record anything that they see that they, they think you need to know about and your procedure so that they know how to get those images to you. And finally, be objective. Be objective at all times. Take emotion out of everything, regardless of whether you think that that guests have been needy or you knew from the outset they were going to be a a problem. That's irrelevant. You need to be objective about what what actually happens and not bring anything else into it. That's as far as I'm going to go today. I I think I've probably um, triggered off some emotions in people here, and I'm going to hear about it, and that's okay. That's okay. It's 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 a good, it's a good discussion to have, and I'm I'm quite happy to to hear the other side of of this. But you know, there are the other options out there. There's a self-insuring option. There's the um, there's the um, the bought insurance from a provider option. Have a think about it. Have a think about whether you want to continue with your current damage deposit procedure or whether at some time in the future you might just let it go. And on that note, I'm going to uh, head off. I'm going to pack my bag and uh, be off to Phoenix to, uh, tomorrow morning for the VRMA conference. I'm really Really looking forward to that. So the next episode is going to be about um, what, uh, what I see at the conference, who I'm talking to, what's new. And uh, I'll be going to quite a few of the educational um, sessions. So I'll be bringing you anything I learn from those, anything that I think I can share and, um, and help you with. So until then, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you're still with me, And and I'll look forward to talking to you again very soon. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.